Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. I get a chance to talk about my favorite psalm this evening. But before we go to that, I'm going to share a quote from D.A. Carson, otherwise known as Don Carson. I've seen him referenced both ways. He wrote, There is no attempt in Scripture to whitewash the anguish of God's people when they undergo suffering. They argue with God. They complain to God. They weep before God. Theirs is not a faith that leads to dry-eyed stoicism, but to a faith so robust that it wrestles with God. So God is expecting us to be honest with him at all times. And I think a lot of times we are, but there might be some times that we're not, uh, that we're afraid to admit how scared we are or how hurt we are or how confused we are, even though God already knows. But in Scripture, we see people, when they are complaining and when they're upset, they are vocal about it, and they are honest about it. And that's a good example for us. I'm going to read the quote one more time. There is no attempt in Scripture to whitewash the anguish of God's people when they undergo suffering. They argue with God. They complain with God. They weep before God. Theirs is not a faith that leads to dry-eyed stoicism, but to a faith so robust that it wrestles with God. I am going to be drawing from the book of Psalms. And the book of Psalms is a collection. It's like the song book for the Bible. And there are a lot of different kinds of Psalms. There are Psalms of praise and worship. There are Psalms of hymns. A hymn would be, it's really a song that sings about the subject about the things that they did and about all their qualities. Uh, In the Roman Empire, it would be used for a general. If the general was successful, there would be this triumphant march through Rome and and hymns would be sung to the general. We don't sing, sing hymns to people. We sing hymns to God. And some of the psalms are indeed that. They are hymns. Then there are also wisdom psalms that teach. There are psalms that cover the history of uh, God's interaction with his people. Uh, There are songs of lament where somebody is upset about something going on in their life or about the state of the people or it could be about enemies trying to get them individually or enemies of Israel. And sometimes the Psalms merge. So you might get a beginning of one kind of psalm and it ends up another way. So there's a lot of psalms, but I'm drawing from a lament psalm. And the lament psalms, they're like the blues of the Bible. And there are psalms here, but there's also the book of Lamentations is like that too. Um, um, Sad songs that uh, are pretty honest about how they feel about uh, what's going on, whether it's with themselves or, the, or in the book of Lamentations, it's all about the nation. 
and I'm going to be talking about Psalm 88. A working title could be When Darkness is My Only Friend. Another working title could be My Only Hope, or, or even another working title could be Last Chance. Before I begin, though, I'd like to refer you to the church's webpage because if after you've heard me, you'd like to hear more about Psalm 88, I have good news. Pastor Paul, he taught on this back in 2014 in February. So you can actually go on the church website, go into media, and look for Psalm 88, and you'll get a teaching where Pastor Paul taught Psalm 88, 89, and 90. I recommend it. You could also find the same on um, a podcast app if you listen to podcasts. And with that, we're going to begin with uh, Psalm 88. O Lord, God of my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. So far, it's a pretty standard beginning for a a psalm, and particularly a lament psalm. Let's move on. Verse 3. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I'm like a man who has no strength, adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more and who are cut off from your hand. It's pretty dismal, isn't it? That's how this person feels. Comparing himself to people who are dead and buried and separated from God. Verse 6. You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all of your waves, Selah. And that last word, Selah, it's a pause. So at this point, there'd be a musical interlude, and we'd be thinking about this. Thinking about, again, more, more grim being buried in a pit, but then God punishing us for some reason that we don't understand, being mad at us, afflicting us. Have you ever thought that something bad happened? You thought maybe God was mad at you? I'm not saying that that's accurate. I'm just saying that that's easy for us to feel. I have felt that way before. I felt like God was mad with I don't know. It's hard to, to see any part of your life and know that, that that's because God was dealing with you because of some reason. We don't know that. But it's easy to feel like that. Verse 8, you have put away my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an abomination to them. I am shut up and I cannot get out. My eyes waste away because of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon you and I have stretched my hands out to you. Okay? Now we know that people aren't coming around anymore. Not only that, there's something about them that makes... the Abomination's a pretty bad word. The, the writer feels like an abomination to those people. Like, they don't want to see me because there's something about me that disgusts them now or upsets them now in a way that they don't want to come near me. 
some scholars believe that the writer of the psalm was a, perhaps a leper, somebody who became a leper and then had to be separated from everybody. Or that the psalmist was writing about somebody that he knew who went through this experience. And yet, despite this, the psalmist is calling upon the Lord every day. In spite of feeling this way, in spite of being forgotten and by the people that once cared about him, he hasn't given up calling daily upon God. Will you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? Selah. Again, it's pretty grim, a lot of death in this psalm. And maybe feeling like maybe being dead would be, a good, would be better than where he is now. Verse 11, shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave or your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Shall your wonders be known in the dark and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? It's asking God. If I'm in the grave, where's your love and kindness? If I'm being destroyed, where's your faithfulness? It's questioning. Thirteen. But to you I have cried out, O Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. I suffer your terrors. I am distraught. So again, more about uh, feeling like God's forgotten him. Like hiding your face is another way of saying, you know, just not coming near. Not even God's coming to see me. God doesn't even want to be near me. And this person feels afflicted. And from the sound, it, it perhaps has had this for a long time, so it's not like it was only a few months ago. This has been life for him for a long time, from, from his youth, from being a young man. Your fierce wrath has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They have, they came around me all day long like water. They have engulfed me altogether. Loved one and friend, you've put far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. So it's not just like God's mad at me, but also there's terror. There is uncertainty. There's, he is scared. Maybe not all the time, but sometimes. Maybe it's, maybe it's when he's sitting and thinking too much. That can happen. I know people who they think too much and they get very, very anxious, and that could be happening here. It compares the feeling of uh, water, water that engulfs you, water that drowns you. Okay. The, Israel was not much of a maritime nation. You didn't have a lot of swimmers, so most of them couldn't swim. Um, so... Being engulfed by water would be a terrifying experience. Me, 
I'd be okay with it. The average uh, Jew? No, not back then. That's the end of the psalm, and that's why this psalm is important to me. In any other psalm of lament, there is a, a shift where the psalmist starts to praise God or starts to say, I'm going to trust you, Lord, or maybe gives himself a good talking to where he says, self-trust the Lord now and forever. And there's some positive ending to the psalm. There is no positive ending here. This person still trusting God sees no light at the end of the tunnel. Or, you know, the the lights of an oncoming train. There's no shift. And I'm glad it's here because sometimes we feel like this. We feel like we're hanging on. And, and it could be, we could beat ourselves up because there must be something wrong with me, not only because these things are happening, there must be something wrong with me because I, I don't feel at all triumphant. I don't feel like God's going to bring me through this. I don't feel any of that. I want him to, I ask, I'm trusting, but I don't feel it. And I don't see how this is going to end well. And there, so therefore, there must be something wrong with me that I feel that way. Well, there isn't. Psalm 88. Was he struggling? Yeah. Was he perfect? No. No more than you or I. But the fact that he couldn't see any good didn't mean that he wasn't trusting God. Certainly, it's possible to not trust God. But I'm saying in this instance, it's also, in this instance, I don't think that's happening. It's not the only place in Scripture where you see this. One place stands out to me, mainly because Pastor Paul taught on it last week. Job. And the picture, it's um, Job sitting with his friends, and he's got some pottery shards because back then he had this disease and he was scraping himself to try to feel better, I guess. I don't know why, but he was doing that, and his friends were sitting with him. I, picked the, I like this picture because Job is miserable, he looks ill, but there's not too... Some of the artists seem to have like a lot of detail, and they had like the sores red, and you could really see them. I don't want to see that. This is good enough. Uh, and these friends, they came, they sat with him for a week. Seven days. Didn't say anything. I couldn't go seven hours. I, maybe I could go seven minutes, but seven days. But then when they started talking, and Pastor Paul's in the midst of this now, they took turns saying, well, Job, you must have done something wrong because you, you, your children got killed and you lost all your herds and, and your homes were destroyed and, and look at you, you're, you're ill, you're dying, you got all of these lesions and you look disgusting and you look miserable. And Job doesn't understand it. He, he, he doesn't see where he has been so bad as to have this happen. And... and he doesn't understand, like, well, God must be testing me. He doesn't even think that way. He thinks, well, I wish I was never born. I wish I was dead. And so there is this cycle of the friends saying something and then Job responding. And it actually happens three times. Uh, and then some other things happen. 
in the book. Um, and we're in the first cycle of these things happening. So we're really not even towards the end of it. But Job says something that's very telling in Job 13, 15, and 16. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Even so, I defend my own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation, for a hypocrite could not come before him. So he's honest. He's willing to go before God, and later on he does. And later on, he he does have some things to repent of, not the things that his friends were accusing him of, but some other things that God knew. But here, he doesn't understand what's happening. He wishes he was dead. He's being accused of things that aren't true. And yet, he still trusts God to the point where if God could kill me, and I'm going to trust him. And we can feel like that. And and maybe it's not illness. It could be something else. It could be um, losing a loved one. Okay. It could be a divorce or losing your job. That happened to me uh, in one year, actually, within a three-month span. In um, 1996, I came home in early January to an empty apartment with my wife at the time in another state with our daughter. I knew that there were problems in the marriage, um, but I didn't think this was going to happen. And then a couple months later, I went to work and I found out that my job had been eliminated due to a corporate um, reorganization. And so I'm going through that at the same time, too. And I just, I remember it being a difficult time. Although I can say, I look back at it and and I was okay. I, I could have felt worse. I could see how, though, some people could have one or both of these happen and it, it could be too much for them. Okay, sometimes it felt like it was too much for me. I also had some other things going on, too, where I really did have some things to repent of, but, and God was bringing me along. Uh, but there were sometimes I felt, like, kind of hopeless. So this can happen to anyone. Fortunately, we've got some more resources available to us as Christians. I'm going to go to Romans 8. This is Paul writing to the church at Rome, 26 to 28. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And, and 28 is the famous part of that section. Sometimes it's misused and misapplied, but it, it is true. God will cause all things to work together for us. 
but it doesn't guarantee that we're going to see how it works together. And we may not know while we're going through it how it's going to work together at the end. We still have to go through it. And in the beginning, the Spirit helps with our weaknesses. Um, The Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Some people have said, well, you know, that must be talking about tongues. And other people say, well, it's not. And, And I'm not... I got the sense it really doesn't, and so I'm not either... I'm not making any kind of judgment about speaking in tongues. I'm just saying it's really more the Spirit praying for us when we can't pray for ourselves, that we can't, we don't have the words. And if you've ever sat and you were upset about something and you were trying to pray and you didn't know what to pray and you just sat there, or if you were sitting there and you said, God, I don't know what, I don't even know what the right thing is here. I need help. I don't know what I I really, in some things I trust, I don't even trust myself to pray for the right thing. Can you help me? And God is helping us. God is helping us with the Spirit. It's right there. It's pretty simple. Simple. It's not easy. But it's there. And it's a resource for us. The main takeaway, we're not always going to go through things. We may not always feel like it's going to end well. We still have to trust God. We, what God doesn't want us to do is to give up. The guy in Psalm 88, he didn't give up. Job, he didn't give up. God doesn't want us to, and he will help us to not give up. And that's important when you're going through something because oftentimes when you're in the midst of something, it's easy to make a really bad decision. Okay? Or a series of bad decisions. I remember back for me in 1996, there were some... I made some bad decisions, and then I, I detoured, and then other bad decisions I didn't make, and I'm thankful about it. Because sometimes when you're feeling hopeless and upset, you, you, you're going to do, well, something, anything to feel better. And, and sometimes God wants us to instead to trust him, even if we're not feeling it, put one foot in front of the other, and persevere, maybe get some help, you know, people in the church, pastors, elders, friends who are Christians, to pray with you? Family? Yeah. I thought about, I would read through this psalm in another translation, but I'm not going to do that because um, instead uh, there's a song. Um, it's by Jeremy Casella, and I'm going to bring up the graphic, and then the, they can start the song. You're going to hear it. So we're all going to be pause here. And if you're at home, try to turn off anything behind you and listen to the song, because I think the song gets at what Psalm 88 is talking about. And Jeremy Casella is one of the people who did the original version that I have. For, I've, I've had it for 10 years, and he did a new version that I like even better. And that's the one that um, I'm going to ask be played now. 
and just listen to it and listen to what's going on, um, not only with the words, but also the emotion involved.
I'm going to close with something about really my dad. A few years ago, he fell and he, he broke some bones in his hand and he had surgery. And then after the surgery, he got something called complex regional pain syndrome, which is something that happens after sometimes after a surgery or after an injury. And it's constant pain. And also, nerve function starts to go away and you start to get paralyzed gradually. So my dad lost the, the fine motor function in his right hand. And then he has arthritis in his left hand. And my stepmom was taking care of him. But last February, my stepmom was found to have stage four lung cancer. And she didn't know it, or maybe she knew it and she wasn't saying anything. She went straight to, the, she went to a birthday party, her mother's 106th birthday party, woke up with her arm swollen, went to the hospital, never came home. And she passed away in April of last year. And then my dad, he is here trying to figure out how to take care of himself, having trouble moving his hands, losing weight. And then in the fall, he had lung cancer. And it was right by his shoulder. And he went through radiation. It's like he had this Psalm 88 year. And my dad, he wrote on a card, actually a few cards, with really shaky handwriting because he has trouble writing, trust God. And he has, he has them all over his apartment in different rooms to remind him to trust God because if he doesn't do that, he sits and he thinks and then he gets anxiety over, over losing his wife, over his pain, over the cancer that he has and what's going to happen with that. And, you know, he's felt really weak physically and spiritually and psychologically this past year. But in a way, he's been strong because he's reminded himself to trust God. He's been at the same place that the guy in Psalm 88. He's been at the same place as Job. Different reasons. But he's trusting enough to get to the next day. And God will do that for us. And you know what? He's going to bring us through. Remember back in Romans that um, all things will work for good. They just may not feel like they're going to work out that way. Now, if you're a Christian, this is all for you. If you're listening to this and you're not a Christian, this isn't going to help you very much. Unless, unless you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're listening, go to our website. And there's, you can click on it. There's something there to say to learn more about Jesus or call the office. Because I want this to be available to you too. But for the rest of us, if you're going through something hard, continue to trust God even if you don't feel it. And don't beat yourself up because you don't feel it. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. 
We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.